Stand up in the fear of God and listen to the Holy Gospel A chapter from the Holy Gospel According to St. Luke May his blessings be Solomon A psalm of our teacher David the prophet and king May his blessings be Solomon You will arise and have mercy upon Zion For it is time to have mercy upon her For the Lord should build up Zion And shall appear in his glory Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, glory be you to forever and ever. Amen. And as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which are most surely believed among us, just as those whom from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Sophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in, order, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. <coughs> And he will turn away many of the children of Israel to their Lord, the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years and the angel answered and said to him I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings but behold you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things will take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time 
And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled at that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to him his own house. Now after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and she did hid herself five months saying that the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men <laughs> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit one God Amen Today, as we heard in the Gospel, it's the first Sunday of the blessed month of Kyak and the Church is always telling us that we have to, get, to go the whole journey, the whole chapter of the Book of Luke, of the Gospel of St. Luke. And this year, what I would like to share with you, that a journey under this title, His Life is Mine. Christ came to give us His life. Christ came to give every person in the church who is going to believe in Him their new life, which is His life personally. And let me start with you today that His righteousness is mine. So at the beginning, we were thinking of His life is mine, but what is included in, this, in His life? There's a lot of things in His life, but let me share with you today and in the next three weeks just one thing about it to enjoy more of his life in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10 and 11 St. Paul says always carrying about the body the dying in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that life that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body so the aim when we choose Christ, when you live to Him, when you are baptized, when you are walking every day with Him, the aim is that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. He added again next next verse, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Again, when we choose to deny our life, to accept death for His sake, why again? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And then, let us stop for a minute here. If you are coming this morning to the church, what sort of life is manifested in you? What sort of relationships in your life that shows that you are reflecting the whole life of Christ? What sort of language you use with your friends at home, that is showing that this is the life of Christ manifested in you. If the aim today is to, to explain more what does it mean His righteousness is mine, let me start with the psalm today. The psalm was saying, You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to her favor. Yes, the set time has come, for the Lord shall build up Zion. He's telling you and me in the beginning of the psalm today, forget about your past. Forget about everything in your own relationships in the past. 
or your own life in the past. If it was not manifesting the life of Christ, now the set time has come. For the Lord shall build up Zion. And Zion, it's your life, your heart, your mind, your family, your home, whatever you have. In the Old Testament, as we read today, in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. What does it mean, righteousness, in the Old Testament? It's exactly what mentioned here about St. John, sorry, St. Zacharias and Elizabeth. They have the list and they were able to, to comply with this list. Don't steal, they are, they are not stealing. Don't kill, they are not killing. This is the very simple meaning of righteousness in the Old Testament. But the church is teaching us there are three types of righteousness. The first one is righteousness according to the law. Give me the list, I'm going to do my best to do the list. The second type, which is very decorated in the Bible and in the church fathers, the self-righteousness. When I see myself better than anyone. When I see myself the only one who can understand and everyone else not. When I see myself if it's, it is always my way or there is no way. And it's rejected always by the church and by the church fathers. And again it's time <clears throat> to think, am I walking in this way? I see it's always my way or there is no other ways. Or I have the tick books, I have the list, I'm not lying, I'm not stealing, I'm not killing, then I'm righteous. Both of them were not sufficient. It was sufficient in the Old Testament to have this <coughs> righteousness of the Old Testament. But let us go further to see it, how it is appearing in the New Testament. <coughs> that in the end we are going to say his righteousness is mine. In Romans 3, 21 and 22, St. Paul was telling us it's time to say that the set time has come for the life and in the life of every one of us. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What does it mean apart from the law? And being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Apart from the law because Christ is going to make, he is the author of the law. And he is not going to fulfill the normal law. He's going to give us the fulfillment of the law. He did not come to break the law, but to fulfill it in the highest level of fulfillment. That's why it was apart from the law. It was not the righteousness of the Old Testament anymore, but being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They were prophesying, the law and the prophets were prophesying and telling us, the Messiah is coming to restore what has been done in your life. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is something totally different. It's not acts you will do only. It starts with believing in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. It doesn't matter your background, your nationality, your old beliefs, your old past. There is no difference. Why? Because now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Again, if the psalm is encouraging us to have a new start, have his life, let it be yours. And today, his righteousness is yours. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, St. Paul is telling us how Jesus did it. And then you will see what does it mean and how to obtain it. In 5.21 he says, For he made himself, he's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
So now it is not only a list that you are going to do, but we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It's an act was not possible without the incarnation. Was not possible without the crucifixion and resurrection. Was not possible without the whole life of Christ. But again, it's an act uh, from the Trinity. It's an Trinitarian act that the Father offered His Son. And the Son willingly went to the cross. And the Holy Spirit is conveying this righteousness to each one of us. Again, for He made Himself no, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. <clears throat> and here was St. John Chrysostom is explaining all this verse. He means to say that he who is righteous has become a sin, namely suffered as a condemned sinner, cursed to die. <coughs> St. Gregory of Nesta is explaining more. For our sake he, become, he became obedient, and for our sake he became a sin and a curse, for the sake of the ordainment to our account, and not according to nature. But he so became came in his kind and his love of mankind. So what Christ did, he became a sin for us, that we might become righteousness of God in him. And again, when we say in him, it means it is not something he is offering. Take it and that's it. No. Why? Because there's a big difference here between the Western theology and the Eastern theology. What does it mean? Infused righteousness and imputed righteousness. Let me give you a very, very simple analogy and then you can understand the meaning of the difference and why we insist on infused righteousness, not imputed righteousness. Imputed in Arabic, حُسِبَ لَهُمْ Infused, أُعْطِيَ لَهُمْ لِكَيَّنْمُ What does it mean again? In a very simple analogy, if someone who is confessing that he is a sinner, and of course we are all sinners, to have imputed righteousness, that I am still a sinner, living a sinful life, but Christ imputed to me, accounted to me His righteousness to be mine. I am still a sinner, living a sinful life, but I am calling myself, declaring myself righteous, because He put on me the robe of righteousness, according to Isaiah 61.10. And it is very passive, and rejected by all traditional churches, whether Catholic or Orthodox. Why we insist on the infused righteousness? Because it's totally different. I am a sinner, and He is going to infuse on me His righteousness. He is going to unite me with Him, and I am going to grow in His righteousness. He is going to change my corruptibility, to give me His incorruptibility. Which means it's a process. It's not a decision, it's not one of, it's a life. It's a synergy. Christ is imputing. That's why St. Paul was saying that we might become the righteous of God in Him. In Him it's a process. It's not only one of, I'm accepting Christ and that's it. No. I'm accepting Christ and I'm walking in it. That's why you'll find again St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 9 to 11. He was telling us list of, of sins. Many sins in this list. And then he said, and we all were in this. But what happened? You were washed, sanctified, and justified by Jesus Christ. What does it mean? We receive something on our baptism. But this thing, it's not the end of it. It's a potential to grow in it. 
we have, we have received the restored image, but we are walking to receive the fullness of the likeness through Jesus Christ. That's why St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18 he's saying, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Again, it's a process. Are being transformed. The righteousness is infused. The righteousness is not imputed. Into the same image from glory to glory. It's a process. Just as the Spirit of the Lord. And if the Spirit of the Lord is indwelling in me, making me a temple, it means He was always in action in my life. So again, it's very important to know that we believe in the infused righteousness, not imputed righteousness. It's not a matter of list. It's a process of being united with Christ, seen always accepted because I am in Christ, not because something imputed to me and I am still living the same sinful life. St. Gregory the Bishop of Nisa was trying again to explain this verse by saying, Yet let us change from the, for the better. Let us have a kind of wings to fly up to better things from glory to glory. Shows again the very summary of the theology of St. Cyril the Great. This is the problem. Sin is the disease. Salvation is the process. Righteousness is a process. We are united ourselves with Christ in each and every Eucharist through the repentance and then we grow in it. That we are becoming the righteousness of God in Him. To be greater through the daily growth. Again, it's a process, daily growth. And the continuous seeking of perfection. The true perfection is not to stop at growing to what is better and not to set limits for perfection. Why? Because we are seeking the righteousness of God in Him. And again, St. Paul is saying in Ephesians 4.13 that we are seeking to reach the full stature of Christ. So again, righteousness is not a legal term. In orthodoxy, righteousness is an action, an active action through uniting ourselves with Christ, receiving the restored image and growing to the likeness through the grace, through the synergy, through the corporate act between man and God or God and man by receiving grace and acting and responding properly to this grace. What the church is telling us in the first week, if you are aiming to have his life is mine, today his righteousness is mine. But again, it's a process, it's an infused righteousness to grow in it every day in our life. And when we have the communion, we are seeking to tell him, I am in you, I need to grow, I need to see that the commandments and the ordinance, it's not a tick box, it's a change of life. To be changed from glory to glory. May the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever and ever. Amen. Amen.